shoot. Oh, no. I just had something to say and I totally forget. She keeps doing this thing. You said she keeps doing this thing. Yes. Elisa, thank you so much. I got you, queen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's get straight the fuck into it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Today we'll be talking about May, December, which is directed by Todd Haynes. This was my first ever Todd Haynes movie. I don't think I've ever seen... I mean, I've heard a lot about Carol, but like I've never seen anything else by him. Oh, I've seen Carol. I I really want to watch it. I think that's... That might be the only film that I've seen from him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, after this, eager to see more, not to spoil too much on my opinion of it, but yeah, directed by Todd Haynes, written by Sammy Birch and Alex Mechanic, and then the main cast has Natalie Portman playing Elizabeth, Julianne Moore playing Gracie, Charles Melton as Joe Yu, Gabrielle Chung as Charlie Atherton Yu, and Elizabeth Yu playing Mary Atherton Yu, which we'll explain more who those characters are in a bit. But should we do a quick plot summary? Yeah. Okay. For those who have never listened to a Culture Calendar movie review before, just know that this entire episode is completely full of spoilers. Yes. Maybe inclusive of the plot summary I'm about to give. So pause here, go watch the movie and come back to it later if you haven't yet seen it. So for a plot summary, basically we meet Gracie and Joe who are married and live in Savannah, Georgia, I believe. And we meet them during a week when their twin kids, Charlie and Mary, are about to graduate high school. And when this movie star, apparently, Elizabeth, is coming to town because she wants to play Gracie in a movie. The reason she wants to play Gracie in a movie is because, as we find out, Gracie is pretty notorious for having met Joe, her husband, when he was in seventh grade. And then raped him, gotten pregnant with his kids, then later gotten arrested and had that baby behind bars. But somehow, you know, they've been married for years and years and they're still together. And this movie is now going to come out. So Elizabeth wants to portray Gracie. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So before we talk about the movie, I wanted to quickly touch on the real life story of Mary Kay Letourneau, which loosely inspired the film it's not a one-to-one biopic but it's very very reflective of her life I feel like everyone that's in the film keeps saying this is not the Mary Kay Letourneau story I don't know if that's like a legal thing because yeah (laughs) there's literally a scene in the film that's word for word an interview that I watched where so there's a moment in the film where Joe is kind of starting to have a bit of an awareness and some doubts about their relationship. And he's trying to bring it up to Gracie. And she says, you seduced me. You were in charge. And he's trying to be like, but maybe I was too young. And she's like, who was in charge? Who was in charge? And that literally happened in an interview that the two of them, that the real Mary Kay Letourneau, she's passed now, but her then husband, child that she raved and groomed and married, um... Vili Filau, where he's saying something and she keeps saying to him in the interview, who was in charge? Who was in charge? And until he just kind of quiets down and agrees with her. Oh, God. Oh, it's so eerie. my stomach. Oh, no, it's so weird. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) Just to say that there are a lot of similarities to the real story. Right. So the real story is Mary Kay Letourneau was a teacher in... A suburb of Seattle. She taught second grade and sixth grade classes. And Vili Falau, he was her student in both second grade and sixth grade. Oh, my God. So she watched him grow up. Oh, no. And they started a relationship when he was 12. And they got caught in a car. They were parked at a marina. And the police come up to the parked car. She was seen jumping into the front seat. And he pretended to sleep in the back. They both gave, like, false names, and then he lied about his age. He was saying nothing bad happened, blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, the cops were like, this looks a little fishy. But ultimately, when they, like, called Falau's family, the mother was like, oh, he's with his teacher. Everything's fine. Like, we trust that teacher. Like, give him back to the teacher. Oh, no. So, anyway, they had this relationship. Eventually, it comes out. She gets arrested and sentenced 
for second degree child rape. Oh, God. Can't even like say that sentence. I know. Um, so not to go into all the crazy details of this, because this is not a whole culture calendar episode about Mary Kay Letourneau. We'll be here all day. <laughs> Basically, she goes to jail. She was supposed to like never see him again when she gets out, like some sort of restraining order. He was so groomed and manipulated and under this, I don't even know what to call it, that they're in love. Right. So he like appealed to the courts to get that removed so that when she comes out, they could be together. Oh, my God. And so from when she got out of prison, they continued their relationship. They got married. They had children. They stayed together until she was, I think, in her 50s and they got a divorce and then, like, the next year she died. Wow. And he was, like, by her side when she died. And now, now Falau, like, since she's passed, has kind of been slowly coming to terms with the fact that this was obviously not okay. Like, once like once her physical presence was gone. Right. Him kind of starting his life again. Like, learning how to live in the world without her when he's lived almost all of his life. There's more space to question. With, like, her calling the shots. Yeah. And when this whole, you know, I I don't even want to call it an affair (laughs) was happening when he was a child, she was married and had four kids. I, I like, I can't imagine, especially if you have kids, I don't know how old her kids were at the time, but if you have kids that are roughly of the similar age as this person you are abusing and sleeping with, like raping, Mm -hmm. like I... The mental gymnastics you have to do to convince yourself that that's somehow okay. Like, you have a child who's 12. Like, you you know developmentally where they are. I know. It's already it's already weird for people when, like, get like parents get divorced or something in their 50s or 60s. And then one of them starts dating someone a lot younger mm-hmm. that's similar age as their child. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, in their 20s or early 30s. And the child is, like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Like, this is so weird. Mm-hmm. If that experience is already strange, imagine being a kid and your mom having a sexual relationship with a another kid. I cannot. Like, I cannot. And also the, the children that she had with Vili, like, when they grow up and they realize the dynamics of their family... Like, that they have been born from this pedophile. Like, <laughs> I know. I know. What? I know. Oh, my God. I know. Or, I don't even know if... I don't even know what... I don't even know if she's a pedophile because she continued to be in love and attracted to him for... Like, I, I don't know the scope of what determines pedophilia, but, like... Better. Just, better that you don't. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I don't need to know. I love how unfamiliar you are with <laughs> pedophilia. <laughs> It's just not my jam, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that was a real story that happened. And the movie that we're going to discuss follows kind of a similar trend. So let's let's get into Audra and I haven't talked about our thoughts on the film yet. We watched it last night separately. I know I finished it like less than 10 hours ago. So (laughs) me too. I, I, I said to my husband, I was like, I have to watch this movie for the podcast. I don't think you're going to want to watch it with me, but let me just ask because I'm going to be watching it in the living right. room. And so right. I start giving him the, I start the plot and he's like, um, you can stop right there. I do not want to see this movie. <laughs> I asked Andrew if he wanted to watch it and he looked up a plot summary quickly or like the synopsis or whatever. And then he goes, um, that's a little too serious. So he was in the other room, not watching, but he he did hear the very intense music. Like, at the end of the night, I was like, oh, I have such a headache. He was like, do you think it was all that loud, creepy music? I was like, you know what? Maybe. <laughs> I Okay, I wrote down the creepy music because I feel like there was an absence of music. And then there was the same ominous music at random points. I know. Not always when I would have expected right. ominous music. And it was always the same like melody like thudding piano i was like this it's giving jaws it's giving like na 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 like you can feel your blood pressure rising and you're just watching you know a girl cross the street in sunny yes. savannah georgia and you're like whoa like i i mean it's working i'm feeling anxious and i don't know what's coming and it's actually you later learn 10 minutes yeah go by nothing you know nothing too crazy happened it's I just i thought that was a very interesting choice and it kind of reminded me of the first time I watched Gone Girl because I remember feeling so anxious at the movie theater because there was this build-up music 
like something crazy is about to happen and then mm-hmm. nothing would happen and you, you were like what and then when the crazy thing was happening it was like coming out of nowhere and they were yeah. really manipulating and I thought it was really clever to use the ominous music in these kind of transition scenes like yeah one time it's just Natalie Portman's character driving you don't even see her you're just like looking out the windshield and it's just like curving down streets in savannah looking at trees and it's the ominous music i'm like why what's happening and then it just stops and it's almost keeping the tension in the moments in between oh yeah because the actress elizabeth she's coming to do like a character study on gracie to like inform her acting choices so she's staying in the same town for like two weeks And so I feel like it's kind of mimicking the eerie feeling of if you spent two weeks in this community Mm. slowly watching how these dynamics unravel, like when you're alone with your own thoughts, how you would be feeling. Yeah, I and I really liked the choice as well, even if like it's almost funny. Yeah. How overdone it is. Yeah. There's like an element of camp. Oh, it's it's a little soap opera. It's yes, it's camp. It's soap opera. It's like this grainy, washed out, loud music. Like it's overwrought, but in a borderline funny way. Like Mm -hmm. when and and I think they do this on purpose, obviously, because in the very beginning, when Gracie's character, I Mm -hmm. think she opens a fridge. That was so funny. (laughs) Right. Okay. so they do this like from who knows what, like 30 feet away, they do this like long zoom into her face and you think something ominous is about to happen. And she's like, I don't think we have enough hot dogs. And you're like, (laughs) okay, understood. Understood. We're playing with the camera work. We're playing with this music. We're just like drumming it up to get this emotional reaction out of you. But the stakes are honest. I mean, they're high, but it's, it's the cumulative stakes that feel so suffocating by the end, whereas each individual moment might just be something about hot dogs and it's not that big of a deal. But it, I liked it because I, I'm going to be thinking about this movie for a long time. Like, I think I'm going to be disconcerted for a long time. It felt, even though that was sort of a funny technique, I was like, it is horrifying. I Yeah, I think what's horrifying too is that I don't actually feel like there are stakes because the the movie isn't about when the relationship started and mm. being nervous when they're going to get caught. They're married. The public knows. The community knows. They have friends. They have businesses. They have kids. Their kids are going off to college. They seem like a normal family. It's all very removed from the actual mm-hmm. incident. And this is just us watching. Like, nothing's going to happen. There's no stakes in that way of everything's going to crash and burn or whatever. You're just watching them live. I think that's eerier because there isn't a predictability of, yeah, eventually if you're sneaking around with a 12 year old in a pet store, some bad's going to happen. And that already happened in the past. While like now you're just watching this family have a barbecue and you're like, Oh my God. But I guess the, I guess the stakes, I guess the stakes become like, Almost the collateral damage in it all. Like, I don't know what compelled her to think. I don't know. I I really can't pretend to even understand the mind of a criminal like that. And I can't pretend to understand her own motivations. And I don't think this movie tries to explain the motive. I think it's just how does she tell this story to herself more than why did she do what she did? But the collateral damage from forcing him to stay with her, which I would describe it as forcing. If you're 13 years old... Mm or 14 years old, when your English teacher slash abuser is getting back out of prison and she's convincing you to, I don't know, I guess, like, appeal the decision that she can't see you and she wants to marry you the minute you turn 19 and whatever else. Like, I get, I can understand just going along with that. Like, you've been groomed, you've been abused. But how does that, like, you're obviously collateral damage in that. But so is her family. So are her kids. So is, you know, the kids that you end up having with this child and so we're watching I feel like those not stakes but we're just we're just like watching the slow burn of Mm -hmm. those people as they deal with the collateral damage of being part of this decision to I don't know save face like I I'm I'm still I know this isn't what the movie was about but I'm struggling to understand like why not put on the act for so long because I know she would never say it was an act but oh my god it just feels like okay you're doing this too in some ways, save face, 
and or just like justify what happened and like kind of clean up the mess. Like it's less messy if we just get married, have kids, stay together, quote, happily ever after. But like, actually, it's really fucking messy. And we're going to see that in their kids. We're going to see that in Joe. We're going to see that in Mm -hmm. Gracie herself. We're going to see that in everyone that it's really messy, no matter what you pretend it is on the outside. Yeah, I don't even think she thought about that. I think she thought we're going to get married and have kids because we're in love. I don't think she thought about it as like, how do I save face? She maintains that she has nothing to save face about. Because he seduced her. He's the boss. And they're they're in love and she doesn't need to prove anything to anyone and why care what other people think and if you weren't talking about a child (laughs) it's it's what what i think is also kind of eerie is that everything she says i agree with except the fact that the subject is a child like her saying i love who i love someone has a problem with it that's none of my business i'm not gonna let that impact my life why should we care about them we're happy we're living our life you could paint that onto gay relationships. You could paint that onto other age gaps when people are consenting adults or right. interracial marriages that families will have an issue with. All this stuff. But you can't extend that to a child that you start grooming at 12. So I think she really is. I don't think she's lying. I think she truly doesn't see the issue with what happened. Yeah. It's this like profound And I mean this like capital N narcissism, like I I really mean this in a clinical sense. It's this profound narcissism, not like self-obsession, but just like genuinely the inability to see what she is doing wrong and to care about anything else besides her own messed up desires and or needs. Yeah. And like I was even looking up this framework of abuse because in that scene we're talking about where Joe tried to bring up qualms he has with this relationship and and say, hey, maybe we should talk about this. Like, in all these years, we've never talked about the the nature of our relationship. Maybe I was too young to be making decisions. Like, should I appeal this court decision? Should I have kids? Shit like that. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe I was too young. And she absolutely loses it. Mm -hmm. She, like, reverse, like, she reverses who the victim is. Yes. Which is part of this framework of abuse that I looked up called Darvo because I was like, this is what narcissists do, especially in instances of abuse. Darvo means deny, attack, reverse victim and offender. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on it, obviously, but Mm. if it's a helpful framework, I mean, feel free to look it up. We'll put it in the show notes. But that was a moment where I was like, this is textbook narcissist. Yeah. And it's, it's, It's just, it's just hard to watch. It's really hard to watch. Yeah, you can't have a conversation with a person like that. No. No, she does not know what she did wrong. There's no introspection. Right. Or she's acting like she was just attacked, which she wasn't. Yeah. You're being questioned on your own actions, and you're acting like you're the victim. It's mm-hmm. it's impossible to negotiate with someone like that. And she keeps doing this thing where I feel like she tries to make herself seem young and make I was Joe gonna say this old. she keeps keeps going like i'm so naive i always have been i grew up very sheltered but joe he grew up fast he always had to take care of his sisters one of them had really bad asthma and he was always taking care of her he's been with more women than i have before we got together which like when he was 12 like huh but so she keeps trying to bring his psychological age up and her psychological age down to level the playing field which to me does mean like there is a part of you that knows there is a part of you that knows because even in the privacy of her bedroom when she's just with joe not in front of everybody else not talking to anybody else she's going back into this i I feel like she almost goes into baby talk when she's talking to him yeah she almost takes on this lisp where she's like you said yes me and i was like whoa like where did that come? yeah like, the she, lisp like comes in and out. i think she's trying to make herself younger even even a name like gracie which has the diminutive morphine at yeah the end, the e. not grace like, you, you don't go by grace you go by gracie like all of it it seems like she's trying to make herself younger and so i'm like i think you know on on even if it's the deepest down like most subconscious level that there exists i think there's part of you that knows because even in privacy you're having to act young you're having to diminish yourself in these conversations to make it feel more equal Hmm. i i also wrote down in my notes like 
what is up with this fake girlhood shit that she's doing. I know. But I think her like there's a knowing like maybe subconsciously. I don't think it's like an active choice that she's doing. No, for sure. Yeah, because I think I think there's so much going on underneath the hood of that woman. Um, <laughs> and I think all of this is like a something she's developed as a manipulation tactic that also we're we're catching them so far into their relationship they've been together for like 24 years yeah that i think all of this is so muscle memory so ingrained that she wouldn't even be able to to like tell you that she does it yeah but i did find it so troubling to watch that fake girlhood thing and that scene specifically when he's bringing up because he also he acts like a boy in a man's body like he really his demeanor and the way he talks oh my god the acting was incredible because i he, was gonna say the performance the performances overall oh were incredible god. they were like so delicate and nuanced and but oh his performance god. really blew me away because he really he's really acting a victim of that kind of abuse so well because i feel like a lot of times people get kind of trapped in the age that they were when something really traumatic happened and the way he carries himself is you notice it, especially when Natalie Portman's character is talking to him because she's such an adult. Right. And when and when he she'll like ask him about his work and he'll kind of look down and like shuffle his arms and be like, uh, yeah, I mean, sure, you can you can come by if you want. Um, You, you should probably ask Gracie. She's like better with the schedules and stuff like like you can ask my mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like she's just replaced another authority figure in his life. Yeah. And in that conversation when he's trying to bring up his feelings and he's like maybe i was too young he doesn't have language for his emotions and she starts attacking him and he's like he doesn't know how to respond he he cowers in and he's like i'm just i'm just trying to explain how i feel and he you can just see this boy in his eyes you're like oh my god he's completely stunted he has not been able to develop like even when he he like gets high with his son and his son has to take care of him he's like freaking out there's a moment where We'll get into Natalie Portman's character because I have a bone to pick with her, too. But um, (laughs) she has sex with Joe at one point. They have this like moment where they have like this really quick sexual encounter and she's very casual about it. And he is like acting exactly how like like a 14 year old losing their virginity would. Yeah. He's like, I thought we had a connection. Yeah. He's like they, they like have sex on the floor and then he gets up. He's like, oh, let's go to the bed. And and he like sits down and he's smiling like so excited that they just like that was crazy. He was like that was crazy. (laughs) Have you ever done something like that before? I'm like, oh my god, you're 36. Like yeah. And and she's like, I mean, yeah. Like and and he's like, I thought you liked me. And he starts like freaking out. And he's like, why would you do that or whatever? And she's like, that's just what adults do. Yeah. And you see his face of short circuiting. Like doesn't know how to process what just happened because he's only had sex. To, to our knowledge, I mean, he most likely has either only had sex with Gracie or mostly had sex with her and just been kind of drilled into him that he's very loved. They have this special connection. So he associates that with mm-hmm. physical intimacy and he cannot process that somebody would just have sex with him and not care about him. No, it, it, it's played, as you're saying, so well, like you look at him and you see a boy like the way he plays oh. it, you can just see it and even in that scene of trying to tell gracie how he feels like you're saying he didn't have the language and he's really stuttering through what he's trying to say in a way that you know this is the first time he has ever tried to say it and they're 20 plus years together like yeah you could this is someone who's never ever had to vocalize this like this is brand new like you're watching someone do something for the first time and to your point it's so stunted because mm-hmm. why is this the first time you're talking about I know this trauma it's just it's gutting to watch and even the scene you mentioned too of him with his son so they're sitting on the roof and his son is smoking a joint and his son Charlie offers his dad a hit and his dad Joe is like oh no thank you you know I've, I've never done that and that's I think a moment of oh. realization too for the son of realizing like it's he didn't kind have of a childhood of... he didn't have yes. an adolescence yeah and it's like helping his father not fall off the roof in a few minutes when that single hit really <laughs> gets a lot of mileage with Joe because he's never done weed before and like he's never done weed <laughs> he's never smoked weed before <laughs> uh, have I done weed <laughs> um and then Joe starts crying oh Oh my god this was another scene where i wanted to just like 
levitate. I, I needed to leave my body. I needed to have my eyes mostly closed. Like my heart had been shattered into a million pieces 12 times already. And it's just so hard to watch. But he starts crying on the roof and his son, Charlie, is trying to be there for him. And is like, dad, you know, like, don't worry. Like, don't worry about me. I'm good. Don't worry about me. And Joe is like, it's all I do. And I was like, oh, my God. No, And he's like, I just want you to, like, have a good life. It makes it like makes and, me sick to my stomach. And I think him watching his kids, he's like at this kind of turning point. And I think Elizabeth coming into their lives is really highlighting that for him because there's a point where she says to him, like, I just realized that we're both 36 and I'm like cons- thinking about if I want to have kids and you're sending your kids off to college. Like, that's so wild. He's like, yeah, OK, I don't know. <laughs> it's I mean, not the same thing, but if like your parent dies relatively young and then you yeah live longer like past the age that they passed and thinking like wow I'm I'm getting older than my parent I feel like he's kind of having a moment like that of yeah almost like he had a like a death or, 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 a, or a, yeah. a, a stoppage at 12 and he's watching his kids grow up and go to college and have yeah relatively normal lives and he's like oh my god like I didn't I didn't have that like where did my I'm what <laughs> And it's it's just so well acted. It's like he really plays that part well of watching someone do what he's just now realizing he should have been able to and having Mm -hmm. to reckon with that even while Gracie is so unwilling and even while Gracie still has so many ups and downs herself. I mean, even the scene where someone cancels their ongoing baking order from her, because I guess that's what Gracie does a lot of the time for I don't know if it's income or just like Mm -hmm. to spend her days she does a lot of baking for the community and people have regular orders someone cancels theirs that was another like girlhood thing yep Gracie's reaction was so ridiculous beside herself sobbing and he's like he's forced to take care of her because she's putting him in that role and he has to be like no no it's gonna be okay and she's like, now we have to throw the cake out. And he's like, we don't have to throw the cake out. And then it cuts to a scene of her serving him that cake and him being like, really tasty, babe. Oh, like, good job. God. And I think what was key about that moment, too, is that she's hysterical about this canceled order. The canceled order wasn't someone deciding, look, you know what? Your family is too weird. I can't support this business. It was, they're moving, so they can't keep ordering from her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I can't believe that I spent all this time making this cake and they're moving. It's like, I know. It's it, like, what? It's fine. And he has to comfort her. Like, it's so the reaction of a child, like, very much not understanding. It's like if some, like, a play date happens and then the kid mm-hmm. is leaving and takes their toy back with them and your kid is freaking out that, like, the toy left. And it's like, well, it was yeah. never yours. It's okay. Whatever. Yeah. Like, It's so nonsensical. Exactly. And even if she doesn't know that she's doing that, because I I don't, as we're saying, there's so much going on beneath the hood. It's it's impossible to know what she is and isn't aware of. Mm -hmm. But that is one of the mechanisms through which she is able to keep him around Mm -hmm. because she makes him feel like she needs him, like Mm -hmm. she will not be okay if he questions Mm -hmm. this relationship, if he leaves. Like, there's a point at which Elizabeth, Natalie Portman's character, tries to suggest that, you know, Joe can be responsible to himself. And it's it's important that he focus on his own needs. And he's like, you don't understand. Like, she won't be okay if I leave. And Natalie Portman's character, Elizabeth, is trying to say, you know, she, she would she would be okay. And he's like, no, she wouldn't. And that, to me, was a callback to that cake scene. Because mm-hmm. it felt like there have been consistent reinforcements from Gracie herself to make this person feel like he can never leave. Mm-hmm. And as as I say that, I'm like, maybe we should now get into, speaking of Natalie Portman's character, Elizabeth, like, should we get into that whole mess of a situation? Yeah, I thought she was really fascinating because I know that it's really common for actors who are playing real people who are still alive to meet with them and, you know, try to get as much information and mimic them and all this stuff. And I've never watched anyone actually do it, so I don't know how it usually goes down. But it felt like she was kind of crossing a line into, I mean, certainly when she has sex with him. I was like, okay, girl, (laughs) I don't think this is part of the research. Um, No. But I felt like there was this voyeurism with her and this kind of sick fascination Mm -hmm. with their situation. 
and I didn't really trust her intentions with Mm -hmm. the material and the like well that she was treating it as material and he he reminds her in that scene too of the sex scene like this is not a story this is my life yeah you are doing a movie I am living a life and your you know character study plot analysis has no bearing on my actual like material existence Mm -hmm. but there's a scene where elizabeth goes to the school that the that the kids go to to their like drama class Mm -hmm. and is there for like a q a and someone asks her if she's done sex scenes and what that's like and she talks about how sometimes it's really choreographed and really methodical and very unsexy and that there's other times where there is a lot of chemistry and you end up repeating the scene so many times that you don't know if you're pretending to be aroused or pretending not to be. Mm. And I thought that was so interesting because I loved how that was mirrored with the end of the film mm-hmm. where the last scene in the film is her actually filming a scene for the movie that they're making Yeah, where she's with the actor who's playing Joe and she it's like in a seduction scene where she's like handing him a snake and they're really close together and whatever and they do the scene like three times yeah and each time she's getting kind of closer to him and then they're like i think we got the take and she's like can we do it one more time it's it's getting real i know i was like real and i was, that was the most overwrought acting you did so far i know i was like first of all very soap opera again but also yes. that that felt like it was mirroring the comment of sometimes you repeat so much that you don't know if you're pretending to like it or pretending that you don't and i loved that kind of ambiguity at the end there because there there are certain moments in the film like there's one part where she's talking on the phone to her director and he's like we've already spent the budget for you to be there and she's like let me stay a few more days i feel like i'm getting to something real and she makes a comment about joe where she's like he's really like we need to find like better casting sexier kids kids. sexier kids because you need to like this guy he's like so seductive and whatever and like i'm sure he was at 12 too and the director's like i think you need to come home like (laughs) you need to get the you're you're losing it um so i thought all of that was really interesting of like is she is she trying to understand her character or is she empathizing with gracie or is she a combination of weird shit i don't know but yeah like where is the line and is there one because she's also super exploitative i mean to your point Mm -hmm. to your point about the last scene seeming very soap opera where she is now acting as gracie there's they're doing take after take after take you see a hundred people in this built set it doesn't seem like an independent it seems like a movie I, i don't know what it seems like but The reason I found that so frustrating is because it goes back to the moment when Elizabeth met Georgie, one of Gracie's sons from her first marriage. Mm -hmm. And Georgie had asked, are you paying my mom for this? And she was Mm -hmm. like, no. Well, she didn't even say no. She was like, well, it's an independent. independent. Mm -hmm. And it's like, is it? Because I don't think it is. But also how fucking exploitative. How exploitative that this person isn't even going to get paid when we know that like the only reason Gracie and Joe could afford their house is because of the insider exclusive that paid them when they got married. They did an insider exclusive of their wedding and it gave them enough money to buy a house. And like now they're not being paid for this movie and we're just opening all these. I mean, in some important ways, opening these old wounds. But like Elizabeth has no interest in anyone but herself either. Like she's almost as narcissistic as Gracie. Yeah, I don't know if if the movie is independent or not, but I think either way, it's tough because you could say like, well, you know, she committed a crime. That crime is public. We can make as many media things about that that we want. But this family, like you were saying earlier, the collateral damage, and there's a moment when they're having like a graduation dinner for the kids and the older daughter has come in from college to be there for the graduation and she's kind of the only one sort of being like cut the shit like what Mm -hmm. is going on here and she says to elizabeth she's like when do you start the movie she's like in two weeks 
And she's like, you know, I really wish you weren't doing that. I love that. And Gracie's like, oh, don't be rude or whatever. And she's like, are we just, are we not going to pretend that it's fucking weird that she's sitting here at the graduation? And like, because it is weird. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, and the collateral damage, too, with the other kids, like back to that scene you were talking about where Elizabeth goes to the kids drama class at the high school or whatever. After the first question about what it's like to act in sex scenes, then someone else asks, Mm -hmm. how do you choose Mm -hmm. your roles? And she admits that she doesn't always get to. But when she does, she wants to choose something in the gray area. And you watch Mary, who is Gracie and Joe's kid, you watch Mary's face deflate. Because she's realizing in that moment, like, this isn't flattering that you're here to play my mom. Like, I've been so excited. I've been so giddy that you were here. I was kind of like giggling and waving to you as you walked in the door. And like, my friends are over. Like, oh, my God, there's a movie star here. Like, they're making a movie about your life. That's so cool. Yeah, like, that's so cool. I'm showing off. Like, I'm the special one in the room who knows you. And then I'm realizing, holy shit, I've been taken for a ride. And you're about to maybe make my life a living hell because... This is going to bring up all this stuff from however many years ago. And you're not going to paint my mom in a good light. And I don't know. You just watch her deflate. She slams the car door after getting out when Elizabeth drives them home and doesn't say another word to her. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem to impact Elizabeth at all in a way it would like a more empathetic person who'd be like, fuck, like, should I like, I should just go home. Like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm hurting these kids. And even even in the high school when she's walking to that drama class she passes all these boys who are staring at her and you can tell she's eating up the attention she's She's like smiling to herself i'm like and literally oh my god this like actual boy does a you know the boy thing where they like jump up and try to touch the top of a doorway yeah boys love to jump they love to jump they love to say look how tall i am i can touch this doorway (laughs) and He jumps and he does that and then he kind of like smiles at her and turns around and is checking her out. And you can see her also looking him up and down and smiling to herself. I'm like, ah! like that was you're... such a good scene, too, because it since we're catching them later in life, you're like picturing, OK, yeah, this is so fucked up that she, you know, groomed a 12 year old. But you're looking uh-huh. at a 36 year old in that scene. You see what mm-hmm. Gracie was seeing and calling seduction this kid trying to show off because the like movies i mean it's like 12 year old boys like pictures of hot women on their walls and they're like ah she's so sexy but none of them are you know like they're not having sex with them and nor would those people want to have sex with them and it's just like you're a young kid coming into your, you know, going through puberty, coming into your sexuality. And so you see this boy be like, I'm going to impress the the movie star. I'm going to jump up and look at her and smile. <laughs> and it's so boyish. And you see kind of that moment of like, that's a child. And Gracie saw that as he just won't leave me alone. You know, like you see what she would have been seeing. And you as a non creep is like, that's just a kid jumping, trying to be like, hey, movie star. Oh my god, you're oh my so god. right. And it's oh, yeah, yeah, you're so right. I, I like want to take 10 showers. I, I need to. I need to. It's god, it's too much and I feel like on the one hand when I when I was like first sitting with it, I was like I don't think this movie has a take so much as it just it's just sort of like exploring all of these like problematic and hurt people. And then the more I sat with it in thinking about scenes like that, the way they get you to react is the take, I feel like. It's, this is, this is gross. Like, you're watching a child jump and touch a doorway, and that's what clearly Gracie, however many years ago, coded as seductive. Like, no. And mm-hmm. I think they also, with Gracie's hobby being hunting, I was like, so she's a predator. Like, so <laughs> she is the predator. Like, you, that's your take. Like, you you have her hunting while Joe is my heart is going to split into two while Joe is raising monarch butterflies, which <laughs> can I just say, I don't think Gracie has ever once asked him about those. She mothers him. She says, get your bugs out of my kitchen. No bugs in the bedroom. But he's like so obsessed with these beautiful butterflies like, that he raises like and sets free. Gentle boy. He's the most gentle boy. Oh my God. And like he's protecting their growth you know their development and then setting them free and you're like 
Joe, you oh, want someone to do that for sweet you. baby. So it's like he's doing that while Gracie's hunting. So I was like, <laughs> I feel like, you know what? I think this movie has a take. And, oh, God, it just breaks my heart. Are, are there any other things you want to talk about? Because I think there's one piece that I want to end on. Oh, the only other thing I was going to mention was that, again, I know they're saying it's not the Mary Kay Letourneau story, but they did also map on racially, like, who the characters mm-hmm. are. So in real life and in the movie, Gracie is white and Joe is Asian. I actually don't know Vili Falau's... He's Samoan. Samoan. So he's Pacific Islander. Pacific Islander. So like AAPI. Um, but that is another detail that also feels exploitative. Like at one point, Gracie had tried to tell Elizabeth, oh, by the way, you know, Joe's been with more women than me before we got together. Like I had only been with Tom, but he slept with two women before me. And I was like, women? They were 12. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but whatever. Um, and then later, Joe is going on a walk with Elizabeth and Joe, by his own account, says, no, girls were never really that into me. Mm -hmm. And I think that like with that taken into account and with the fact that, as they say at the top of the movie, he was the only Korean family in the town. And then he was like half Korean, which I was also like, okay, there is definitely some internalized racism Mm -hmm. shit going on here. But if you're... The only family in this town who is Asian, who is Korean, and you have internalized racism. There's some degree of like, no, 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 I'm I'm only half. And you have this feeling of like, girls don't like me. And then this, this teacher starts showing interest. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that also to me just felt like this very, very, oh God, this just extremely exploitative dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I don't have fully baked because again you and i literally watched this 10 hours ago i don't even have like a fully baked take on that and i wanted to sit more with what i thought about the Mm -hmm. racial dynamics there but they chose not to leave that out for a reason like they didn't Mm -hmm. make joe white in the movie it's it maps onto the real life story too of being like white and then like asian american pacific islander like non-white joe Mm -hmm. so i don't don't, know in a predominantly white environment yeah i think they're the only Oh, no, no, no. They're not the only non-white people. I think the kids have some black classmates as well, but maybe those are the only other non-white people we meet. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's important to mention because I I think it gives even more kind of fragility to his, like his view of himself when he was 12, Mm -hmm. which is a normal like self-image to have. Girls don't, like that's when you start caring about the people that you're attracted to liking you mm-hmm. and you're also like smelly and pimply and weird and your arms are longer than your legs and yeah. you just don't look right <laughs> and you're like oh my god i've never had a crush and now i have a crush and i feel so strange in my body mm-hmm. and nobody likes me and then this beautiful older woman oh my god like there must be something special about me yeah because why would this older woman want me and also she hired him for the pet shop it's like it's like an endless doubling down on the power dynamics she wasn't just i don't know she wasn't just older she wasn't just white in this predominantly white town where you were one of the only non-white people she's also apparently the person who in the movie hired you in real life taught you in the second and the sixth grade that's another like layer of authority figure person with control over whether it's like you know, your income, your minimum wage job, or your grades, like your well-being. Like there's, it's it's not some random woman you met on the street mm-hmm. or, you know, like there's, there's no way to, there's no way to spin it. I know. She was an authority figure. I Yeah, exactly. The like random person on the street thing. It's because that kind of makes me think of, of when you're in certain environments and you're like at an office or in your college class or whatever depending on how big or small your environment is it's they'll be like the hottest person in that space yeah it's like oh they're like office hot like if i saw them at a bar maybe i wouldn't like them or whatever i feel like that happens with teachers where it's like oh who's the hottest teacher in the high school or the hottest teacher in the middle school or whatever and like i remember in school boys talking about certain like young teachers that came to my school yeah that were cute probably like late 20s women yeah. And they're like, oh, miss whatever. Like, she's so hot, blah, blah, blah. And like, that's so harmless. And 
for the teacher to then turn around and like act on that and the the adamant pushing of you seduce me you seduce me even if there is a 12 year old boy being like hey miss Audra, like what's <laughs> up it like it is absolutely your responsibility to be like get no <laughs> right it's like even if you somehow found that attractive in any way even getting to that point is crazy to me but if you did it's your responsibility to shut it down to just be like I am not going to reciprocate. I'm not going to engage. That's just boy stuff. And this is not this is not a rare love of my life must be protected Star-cross at all costs. Star-crossed lovers. Yes. It's society's problem, not ours. Like, no. Laws no, no, are no. invented. You know, if we had been born at a different time, nobody would blink and not, you know, like, oh my like, God. Like, that monologue that Elizabeth does where she's like yes. word for word reenacting the letter Gracie wrote Joe. Oh, God, where she's like, it's rare. And I know you don't have much to compare it to. But like, trust me, it is rare. Also, by the That's way, please so burn this letter so that I don't get in trouble. Manipulative. <laughs> like, I've lived and I'm telling you now, you're not going to find something like this. It's so fucked up. Oh, my God. But back to collateral damage. I was thinking about this as we were talking because in the movie, I'm thinking about the collateral damage of the movie within the movie mm. on the family. Because, you know, it's been 24 years since this happened. As messed up as it is, they have a life that they've created with kids. Mm-hmm. And those kids are going off to college. They have friends. They're clearly not like ostracized in their community. Maybe, you know, I'm sure the parents of the kids that they play with are like that weird family, but it doesn't <laughs> seem to trickle down to them that much. Yeah. At least from what we get to see. And I'm thinking about these twins going off to college in the summer and then this movie coming out and being like, wait, isn't that your mom? And this kind of coming back at them and it reigniting something and them having to deal with it then i'm thinking like this film may december while they keep saying like it's only it was only like the seed of an idea it's not i doubt Billy lao and his family are getting any money for this film doubt and it's bringing this story up years and years after like i wonder what the collateral damage is going to be for that actual family of like me too we're talking about this again yeah because even like like, she's gone and he's rebuilding his life and his kids are around and i I was looking at the pictures online of mary Kay letourneau and no matter how much this movie tries to say it's not about her it almost looks like they're just photoshopping Julianne Moore's face onto Mary Kay for some of the pictures that they recreate in the tabloids. Mm-hmm. Like this picture of her in sweats holding her baby that when Elizabeth is looking at, it's been folded in half and she opens it to reveal the other half where, well, I don't know, one of her ankles is locked up. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That photo. That photo is almost exactly a photo of Mary Kay Letourneau and her first baby. Mm. Like everything, everything Elizabeth tries to do in terms of posture, like the sitting with the, like the crossed hands, like those tabloid photos are pretty much lifted from the Mary Kay Letourneau case. So they can say probably for legal reasons, all they want that it's not about this story, but I think it is. And to your point, there are still real people yeah, who are going to be affected. And, and Julianne Moore is a redhead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the blonde hair. And, and in the interviews now, as they're doing press, she's back to her red hair, like, like it was a, it's not like she's going blonde right now in her real life like there are there are choices that have been made and i i haven't seen anything publicly been said by the family but i wonder if because in in may december as natalie portman's character is talking about like you know you want these if you get to pick your roles you want something meaty that you can really get into and whatever and those are always the roles that get people nominated for things. And this mm-hmm. film, May December, is getting a bunch of Oscar buzz. Oh, of course. I mean... And so it's like, yeah. who gets to profit from this story? They profit financially, the actors and the producers. They're probably going to get nominated for things. And it's off the backs of this really tragic, real-life thing. And it's it's kind of ironic to, to hear Joe in the movie be like, this is not a story. This is my life. It's so ironic. And then watch them do press for May, December. Be like, yeah, it was a very fascinating character to get into. And I'm like, oh my god, are we in the Twilight Zone? I like, know. And it begs the question, too, of like, how did those actors prepare for these roles? Like, because the whole movie is about how Elizabeth is preparing for her upcoming role as playing Gracie. But like, how did these actors prepare? Like, yeah, I don't know. You either have to just suspend 
disbelief about like the consequences of your own actions or like are you also doing research looking at the tabloid pictures like studying the posture you know trying to dig into as many first person accounts watching the interviews like you have to be so it's very it's very like yeah kind of meta in a weird way yeah oh what a movie All right. Well, that was our conversation about May-December from a few days ago. Now, Elise and I are here from the future just to share sort of some of our more finalized thoughts after giving the movie a little bit more breathing room and giving ourselves time to process. So I think we'll go ahead and maybe just share some ratings or kind of final takeaways before we close out. Yeah. What what is your overall take from the film? Because I kind of feel like nothing happened. Yeah. One of my notes was very slow, like just actually the note itself was very S-K-I-W because I was typing while I was watching and I was like, what the fuck? And Andrew (laughs) helped me decipher what I was trying to say. But yeah, it was was super slow. Yeah, for me, it wasn't I don't mind slow. I found it underwhelming. Mm. Like I thought it was gearing up for something and then there was no real crescendo or climax or yeah. I felt that we didn't see as many moments between Natalie Portman's character and Juliana Moore's character alone or not, or not even alone, like together and the, you know, Natalie Portman really digging into her mind and coming to some sort of conclusion. It felt very superficial. Mm. So I didn't feel like we got much insight into this person and why Mm. she is the way she is. And I think the only thing that, to that end that I enjoyed was there's a part where Elizabeth, the actress, is speaking to Gracie's son from her first marriage. And he tells her that the reason that his mom mm. is so fucked up is because she was molested or abused in some way as a child starting at 12, which was the age that Joe, her husband, was when they first got together. Mm-hmm. And so... It gives this kind of explanation of, oh, she's enacting the same trauma. Maybe that explains her how she acts like she's a child. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the film, you get Gracie saying to Elizabeth, I hope you didn't buy that shit, that story that never happened. And Elizabeth is kind of shocked that. Right. Like, how did you know? And she's like, I told me that I talk to my son every day. Yeah. And I liked that because I liked that we didn't get a perfect little ribbon explanation and that we're left not really knowing if it did happen, if it didn't, if she does talk to her son every day, Mm -hmm. if they don't, what the relation... I liked that. Yeah. But that was like the only moment that to me felt like, oh, what a interesting little breakthrough and confusion. But other than that, I was like, I wanted more dirt. I think (laughs) honestly... The more I've sat with it, the more it feels like we were supposed to just watch the lines for Elizabeth blur Mm. between herself and Gracie. And we kind of see that. We see Elizabeth ending up being exploitative for her own gain and taking advantage of vulnerable people and kind of not caring about the, I don't know, radius of hurt around her. And... I think that... Like, it's less about understanding Gracie and more about just seeing Elizabeth. Yeah, I think it's more about honestly seeing, like, white women's entitlement. Like, I think there's Mm. just this indictment of the white woman because Mm. of how abhorrent the both of them are, especially Mm. Elizabeth over time. And almost maybe a little bit Georgie, Gracie's son, too. Like, maybe he was lying for his own gain because he wants to be music supervisor on Mm -hmm. Elizabeth's new film. Like... They're all so unreliable and they're all so self-serving. Mm. And I think maybe it was more, or at least for me, that's been, as I just can't stop thinking about it, that's been more of what my takeaway has been. Yeah, that makes sense. I think seeing it as, not that I was expecting to get an answer to mm-hmm. Gracie. I don't think Gracie can offer that. <laughs> um, but I think I wanted a little more explanation, or not explanation, but... Just more, I wanted to follow Elizabeth's thread a little bit more because I don't feel like we get to see them spending time together in a way that feels like her boundary crossing is earned. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So I just wanted a little more of that. Like, I thought it was going to be more of just yeah. them together, the whole film. I saw some people in the comment sections on different TikTok videos saying, like, I can't believe they they spent more time on the perpetrator than on the victim. Mm. And I can totally understand that takeaway. But I think if we are to assume it's through the lens of wanting to indict this genuinely inexplicable behavior, this extremely self-serving arrogant just like willfully narcissistic harmful behavior there is no we never get an explanation Mm -hmm. the one explanation we're given was taken away from us in the last scene we were given as you said that explanation from georgie that gracie's older brothers had raped her at the age of 12 and then that's taken away from us what what we are being told there is no explanation for her being the way she is and i think that's the point i think that is why we spend so much time with the perpetrator rather than more so with the victim. And that is why, for me, I liked it and didn't think it was, like... I didn't think it was romanticizing Gracie by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, me neither. Are people saying that? No, but I think just, like, the upset that I've seen on Reddit and TikTok of not spending more time with the victim. I was like, I think that's... It just... That wasn't what the A shallow reading. Yeah. It's a shallow reading. No, I completely agree. I... Yeah, I... I think my biggest issues were just wanting a little more depth yeah in the interactions between gracie and elizabeth to warrant elizabeth's blurring because when she's talking to her director like oh well he must have been really sexy as a kid too and and stuff like that i'm like where did you get that from because it's not like gracie is giving you that much insight to kind of empathize with like i do think that if you spend a lot of time with someone even if you walked into the interaction like this crazy lady who raped a 12 year old, Mm -hmm. you spend a lot of time with them. And then I think it's a human instinct to just, you end up finding something in common or something to, to Mm. bond over. And I think if there had been a little bit more of that, then, and, and seeing Elizabeth kind of be like, well, maybe it's more complicated, but I don't feel Mm -hmm. like it's earned because we don't get a lot of depth from Gracie. I feel like it's because, Elizabeth was already that way. I think the point maybe is that Mm. she's already exploitative. She's already coming to this family that like finally is only getting shit mailed to them once a month and not every damn day. And she's about to turn their life upside down. Theoretically, if the movie ends up being successful and she doesn't care, she's lying to everybody. She's lying to Mary. Like we watch Mary deflate in class. Like I think she's already exploitative enough that maybe the point is it doesn't take so much to to blur those lines. It takes almost nothing. But I feel like there's a difference between her being exploitative and voyeuristic from the get mm-hmm. to empathizing or relating to Gracie's experience of finding the relationship mm. somewhat sexy because of how she talks to her director and how she plays the scene mm. at the end that is the shift for me. I think she's exploitative from the beginning. Mm. Uh, and she doesn't seem like the greatest person. Yeah. yeah. And she's like cheating on her fiance. <laughs> yeah. And like, she's not great. But the blur to me is, why are you talking about, why aren't you talking about this? Like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just watching this weirdo. Yeah. Because that would track more with her character. I wanted to see where she suddenly starts saying that. I'm sure he was seductive at 12. I'm like, where did that come from? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's a good point. I don't know. I guess that is, as you're saying, a little bit unearned. Underbaked for me. Yeah. 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 That, I would and agree then with that. I felt like the elements of camp that we talked about earlier, mm. I felt like, I felt like either lean in a little more or why is this here? Mm. Like, is this supposed to be some sort of dark comedy? It is. It also recently got nominated for a Golden Globe in the comedy section. But it it's, not, yeah. it's not funny it's not enough. Funny. It's, not, it, it's, <laughs> it's not funny at all, first of all. there It doesn't lean into the dark comedy element enough to warrant the, like, campy stuff. So that also felt a little like the vision of the film was a bit murky to me. Like, am I supposed to take this seriously? Am I supposed to kind of laugh at this? Right. Because you're not doing either one convincingly by like kind of half-assing both. I know. You know? I, there was no moment for me where I was like laughing or 
you know when you're texting and you say lol but you're not actually laughing there was yeah. no even like lol no like neutral like oh <laughs> lol i had none of those moments it was just sheer cringe like yeah. ready to unzip my skin and crawl out of it like the moment when they're in the dressing room and gracie uh. says to her daughter mary like wow like you're so brave for showing your arms you're a modern woman i would never be bold enough i was like oh my yeah God. like I think it's funny because it's true, but it's not like funny haha comedy. It was just like, oh God, God damn, that is so brutal and yeah, it wasn't. Horrible. It wasn't like played for laughs. It was played more in a sad way because I could yeah. see also when they're at the graduation dinner and Gracie says, "Oh, I can't wait to show you what I got you for as a graduation gift," and the other sister says, "Is it a scale? Because that's what mm-hmm. you got me." And she's like, you know that that was not your gift. That was just part of setting you up at college. And then she brings it up again later in the dinner. And she's like, you try going through life without a skill and see how that goes. And that was played in a way that it didn't land funny. Like if they had played it more comedically, I think that would have been funny of like, wow, this mom is so like messed up in a funny way. But it wasn't. It just felt kind of tragic. I know. Maybe I'm I'm so curious to see like which audience members do or don't find it funny or did or didn't laugh. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm just very curious to see for those who do agree that it's a comedy, why did you and where did you laugh? Yeah. So what's your what's your overall rating out of ten? Out of ten? Oh, okay. So I actually really liked it, I think because I cannot get it out of my head. Like, I just continue while I'm at work, while I'm cooking, while I'm trying to do other things, trying to listen to a podcast. I keep having to pause because my mind is a runaway train thinking Mm. about this movie. And I think just that effect is so rare for me. What are you thinking about? I think that I think one thing that has sunk its talons in me really is the white woman narcissism. I'm in an interracial relationship. And I'm married to a Chinese American man. And there are just parts of me that like, to a selfish degree, need to find every point at which I am not like Gracie. Mm. So that I don't. And I know my my husband's older than me. You know, like it's not I'm not worried that I'm taking advantage of a young boy. But I don't think that's the only way in which Gracie mm. takes advantage of Joe. So it's a little closer to oh, home God. for you in that way. Yeah, I think it's just so close to home. And it makes me like so sick to my stomach that it's it's just been like sitting with me Mm. like I do want to be really careful of the way I wield my white woman tears you know like I I I just want to be cognizant of that and like the proximity I do have to power and so I think that yeah Mm. it's it's sunk its teeth into me and I this is kind of crazy I would give it like eight out of ten I'm like feeling hot on it at the moment wow okay that's helpful because when you were saying to me I'm thinking about this a lot. I was curious what you were thinking about. And this makes a lot more sense because it has not stuck with me at all. (laughs) I know you're like, what the fuck is that kid's name? And who is who? And (laughs) yeah, like I honestly have not thought about it since I watched it, except for when we sit down to talk about it. Yeah. And I don't think I'll ever watch it again. No, no, no. And it just really didn't do anything for me, which I was disappointed by because I was looking forward to this film and my it's very up my alley in terms of I love a film that's slow and it's about characters and it's has like four characters yeah but the performances were really good um I don't know maybe a five okay not bad on the whole when we average out our scores I think that's a fair rating yeah I think the thing holding it up the most is the performances for me oh it's charles melton carrying the team on his back yeah exactly i don't want to give the film less than that because i'm impressed by him yeah but other than that i'm excited for this to be a launch pad for him to do other more you know complicated work i think yeah oh my god no i'm so excited to see him in more stuff um and i agree the performances i i joke i do think is is the best but i do remember in the natalie portman or i should say elizabeth scene where she's doing the monologue of the letter Gracie wrote Joe mm-hmm. that was so uncanny how similar she was to Gracie as a character the way With she was talking uh. oh my and the way it was just oh so subtle I was like damn Natalie Portman crushed it so performances on the whole I thought were stunning um, which is really cool to to watch someone do an impersonation of someone else doing an impersonation 
I know because I I saw a video of Julianne or Moore. not an impersonation, not necess- but like somebody else's character choices. Right, she's not doing like oh I'm gonna imitate my friend Julianne. Right, and I saw an interview with Julianne, and the way she speaks, the tenor of her voice is so totally not like Gracie's. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of a stronger, more self assured, fast paced, and not lispy mm-hmm. voice. So it was yeah, like you're saying, it's kind of like mimicking a performance it's it's double yeah it's like doubly hard it was so cool to watch that i agree well yeah i think that concludes our our thoughts yeah i i agree i think i do have to watch something very uplifting find a happy movie about a mixed race couple yeah what drop a comment (laughs) please give us your best recommendations send help Culture Colander is produced by Elisa Nolasco and Audra Fitzgerald. Show art by Angela Cho and music by Santiago Hervella. Research for each episode is conducted independently and is for entertainment purposes only. Information shared in the show reflects the best we know at this moment in time, and there is always more to learn.